We are put here on earth to learn our own lessons. No one can tell you what your lessons are. It is part of your personal journey to discover them. On these journeys, we may be given a lot or just a little bit of the things we must grapple with, but never more than we can handle. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross You are now listening to our Mental Health Minute session notes. Rolanda girl, here we are two years deep in this pandemic. Now, remember when they were talking about a lockdown for just a few weeks? Yes, re exactly. Like who knew that it would still be breathing down our necks in 2022? I mean, all the breath just on the neck, just back up off me. Okay, so I just want to start off by reminding the peoples that we are still in this here pandemic, okay? It's not post-pandemic, like another post word that we know about. It is current, okay? So as time has progressed and entities have made a push to get us back to normal, here we are getting these messages that try to make us think that COVID is no longer around, but that bad boy is still here, okay? Um, exactly. And we want people to know that it is still normal to be affected by the things around you. So you're still in a pandemic. It's okay to be affected by the pandemic. Okay. Um, so if you are wondering why you're feeling extra tired or stressed and confused, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You are just having a human response to this huge event. Yes. And it's also important to remember that everyone's pain is their pain. We need to avoid ranking somebody's grief or loss during the pandemic. So each of us has been and continues to be impacted by these tangible and intangible losses. So that means visible and invisible. Okay. It all matters. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you said that like that um, invisible and invisible losses. So there are a lot of things that we're carrying around that people don't know about because they can't see it and maybe we're not sure how to talk about it. So um, maybe the two of us can talk about our own experience and how the pandemic has been affecting us. Maybe it has been quite a bit. So, you know, I'm a Detroiter. Everybody who knows me knows that. And from the very beginning, there were people who we were losing all around us. I was sick, if y'all remember at the very beginning, um, just seeing the people who we hold very prominent in our communities no longer with us. We're, there, were, there was a police gathering in which 500 police members got sick and like some very large number passed away. And those were uh, folks that I knew very close in my circle. And so um, I'm just mindful that as a Detroiter in particular, so many of the people who were with us two years ago or not, when I go to the barbershop, when I go to my favorite florist, like these people aren't there. And that's the part, especially that invisible part that we talk about, we we kind of forgot what it would be like to not have those interactions in our lives, right? We, we can count the people who we do know or the things that we can see, but when you don't have those conversations you used to have where you don't, I mean, it's, it may sound silly, but you don't get the haircut that you're used to having and that person caring for you while they're giving you that cut, talking to you about politics, talking to you about this thing that was coming, right? So we knew it was coming. We had that haircut and, and now that person's not there. Like that's that's something that um, has really been heavy on my heart this whole time. How about you, sis? Yeah. 
Well, I, I want to honor what you said, like the, I'm glad that you're still here, right? You know, I'm sorry that you were sick, glad you're still here. But what I'm hearing from you is this, the fabric of your community is different now than yeah. it was before COVID in yeah. a really big way. And, you know, while all that was going on, you don't really have time to grieve and mourn like you normally would because it's like we're all, we're still in this storm. You know what I'm saying? Usually there's like a loss and then the, things kind of get back to normal. You can kind of process, but we haven't had a chance to do that yet. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so the pandemic intercepts. So speaking of like that loss part of it, one of the things that I, um, as I don't know that I'm, I still haven't really processed yet, is a Zoom funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, I think I always knew that um, the ceremony and rituals around a home going service are very healing and the time that you spend with family and doing that during COVID did not feel right. Um, it just didn't feel right. Like, you know, um, so many times we think about um, that's such a big part of the breathing process. And because of COVID, understandably, um, services were, some services didn't happen at all. Some services were, had very low numbers because it was for safety precautions. Um, but I, I, as I, you know, I had to go to a funeral that had to be broadcast via Zoom and looking around and thinking, these people have lost someone that they've known for the majority of their lives and folks can't even be here to have the, the comfort, the touch, the connection um, that we took for granted, I think, um, you know, so, so that, those are the kind of things that like, and we, we can't ever, it's not like we can do it over, right? There's no do-overs. There's no, you can't go back to that. It's just something that um, impacted folks. And, you know, that's something I'm going to take away from like that. I feel robbed of the opportunity to, um, to have that ritual, that's that, that tradition that's so important to us. And I don't even know if we'll fully get back to the way we used to do it before. Yeah. Um, that's another thing with this, with COVID is like, I don't know, some things may never go back to the way we did it before. Yeah. Um, and that makes me sad. sad yeah. yeah, I, I touch and agree on that and have spoken at length about how the loss of that tradition and that opportunity to grieve and the word that was coming up to me as you were talking is how I've heard people address remembering and what the the value of remembering is at those spaces. So when we're physically able to be with loved ones of our, our loved one who passed, you are actually bringing members back together. You are remembering what the different parts of that person's life was about and seeing the the days, the weeks, the months, the years, the decades of that person and and making a collage of it. And that element has been lost and gone as well. It helps us to remember and to put ourselves back together, but it also helps to see that person in that light with dignity. And that is a part that is also lost um, when we're thinking about a greater loss, right? Yes, that's so, that is very powerful what you just, like that, that piece of remembering, like we walk, you know, walking away from a, a traditional service before COVID 
you're you're not you're still you have the loss you're grieving but you are filled with that with the stories and the the laughter and the jokes and the warmth from remembering that person that you know we just weren't able to do that um as we normally did during COVID so yeah so yeah so it's been a struggle too and I think just trying to figure out was so now what you know like there right. was a time we were so naive we didn't know no better we thought that COVID was going to have an end date and there we were going to be able to get past this joker but it's still here so now it's like so now what how are we going to work this out how are we going to figure this out so that's you know kind of what we need to you know so that's kind of what we're talking about today we, we get listen we getting there but one other quick thing about that Roro even like thinking about how recent that thought was and that's that's where I really want to just stop for a quick second before we hop to our next point because baby in November or December we absolutely thought that puppy was a wrap we thought we were about to be out here frolicking in these December wintry streets like we really really thought we had beat this puppy for whatever reason because we weren't doing a good job right (laughs) we didn't deserve a reward but that is very American of us anyway to think like let me get my little participation sticker for acting a fool for two years anyway but then Omicron was like hold my Mickey Ficky beer like Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Mm -hmm. holiday parties were planned things were booked outfits were purchased and Omicron was like I got your plan I got your plan. And yeah. then that's still like that. So it's like, you, you, it was almost like we were coming out of the bunker, whether we should have been or not, we were coming out of the bunker. And then it was like being pushed right back in and having that snatched away. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm hearing my Greek father in my ear. Who's like, how dare you pronounce it this way? This is I want Angelo Gus's words to, to just stay with everybody. Angelo Gus says, y'all are all saying it wrong. It's Omicron. I just want oh, that. Okay, be- thank you. That's it. Want- are, are we not talking about lessons learned? Let's that is learn a lesson. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. No, go ahead and connect it because you already at the connection stage. I'm gonna let you connect it. Got it. Got it. Now, now I know better. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of opportunities and lessons, come, let's go. Let's go on and and serve the people that after the break we're going to get into the lessons that we're learning about ourselves. So now let's talk about how people are taking these pandemic experiences and learning about themselves and their relationships with others and their worldview. Okay, so for instance, The pandemic has given a lot of people the opportunity to redefine their tribe, their squad, and their peoples. So we got a chance to see if their personal relationships or if our personal relationships could withstand a global crisis. Mm -hmm. And sadly, not all relationships made the cut. Now, some of that stemmed from what we learned about our friends and loved ones during this double pandemic because COVID was happening broad, far-reaching but there was also, it felt like a double thing where we're watching um, this awareness because racial, racially motivated violence is not new. The awareness felt new um, where more people were tuned into it, not just us. Um, now, I don't know the, how, long they, how long they stayed tuned in, it's a different conversation, but, um, but so it did feel like it was, there were two big, huge things happening. 
And so all of that kind of forced us to confront the values and beliefs of our community, like our, our tribe, our people, um, and those discussions that came up about like racial violence and masks and vaccination and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's definitely, especially talking about the, the racial uprising, which I would, for the record, declare an endemic, not pandemic, because like you said, that baby has been around and will forever be around unless they do something uh, pretty uh, severe to get rid of it but that's another that's my that's my actual TED talk if you want to actually listen to that that is my actual TED talk you can listen to that but um you know I think relationships with some groups have been challenged while others have grown stronger right so when you get to decide who your people are based on who you're feeling safe around you can also look at those relationships that have been sustained and say all right I've learned to trust you in this way. I've, I trust you more. Now I've, I see that our relationship has actually grown and that can be heartening. And I'll just speak, you know, on, on one topic, I have a friend, we've been friends for 37 years and don't ask me how old I am for that to be a true thing, but we've been friends for 37 years and, and how our relationship has grown over the pandemic. I don't really understand. Like, how do we FaceTime more? How, her husband, myself, and I be on that FaceTime in the bed, just snuggling like, hey, what y'all love? Like, why am I a part of your marriage? It's great. But like, it's grown in ways where it just doesn't really um, even like, it, it defies all words. So I really think thinking about how to maintain and grow that relationship in new ways has been a beautiful outcome of this very tragic thing. But our FaceTimes or the Zoom uh, gal pal holiday brunches that I have with folks, we're bridging across distances, across Omicron. <laughs> that, see, daddy, oh my, oh, Omicron, sorry. Um, and, and able to, you know, go to folks' functions and events that we otherwise would have never thought about, right? Those weddings, or like you even said, the, the funerals that we would have never been able to attend had it not been for that technology is something that also has been beneficial. Yes. And I definitely have family members who, I still have an aunt now who we can't get her in the group text in the no. chat. It's not happening. Um, and then she may, why didn't anybody tell me, girl, can you get on this chat? But she don't want to do that. But, so she's not really too hip on technology, but we were able to do a Zoom birthday party for her. And I, I feel confident that if I had gone to her, like like two years ago, say, I'm really going to do a Zoom party. She'd be like, what's a Zoom? Like she wouldn't have done it, but we figured it out. We figured it out so that she could be there and we could celebrate this important birthday milestone for her. Um, and so those things have been great for maintaining connections throughout the pandemic. Listen, happy birthday, TT. We are really grateful that you figured out the Zoom. Um, yeah, when we think about these relationships with our family members, we have to be mindful of our relationships with ourselves as, as the primary family member that we got. Like, what is, what's that looking like? Now, baby sis over here was isolating at the crib with gray walls and gray Detroit skylines in November and December, and it was un struggle, okay? It was a struggle, and for those of you who know, I, I actually moved to LA for four months just to be by the ocean and to get some sunlight and to do some radical self-care for myself, and, and that was a relationship that I had to build because I didn't think I was worthy or deserving 
of that. I thought I was being frivolous and, and throwing money into the ocean very literally, right? I, I didn't understand how important those four months were for my rebuilding of a relationship for myself. So, um, you know, it, I, I got to think about what does joy look like for me? What does wellness look like for me? What does healing and wholeness look like for me? Because I, I had to take that upon myself um, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. I'm so glad that, that you shared that like that. It's, it feels, it can feel selfish to take time to pour into yourself, but it absolutely is the opposite of selfishness. It is so important. Um, so I'm so glad to hear that, you know, those are the kind of things we, you know what I'm saying, folks need to hear the benefit of taking care of yourself in a real way um, is so important. So like folks did things like new things during this pandemic, like um, I got outside and started walking. That's like, I'm still, I'm still waiting for Guinness to write me my note. You know what I'm saying? Like, because mm -hmm. I walked more in the past during this pandemic and I feel like I walked my whole life. Um, so I'm waiting on that. They can send that at any point. But folks do things like crafting and writing and things like that to incorporate self-care and healing during this pandemic. You know, like those, I don't, I think that that when the, the orders came out from up high about isolating at home, that was so different for so many people. Um, and that solo isolation was interesting. I'm gonna say that, I would say that. <laughs> but you had to learn how to be okay with yourself without yeah. distractions because you didn't have them, you couldn't have them. Um, yeah. And so you had to figure it out. You had to figure it out. And, I, and folks did that in a number of different ways during the pandemic, hopefully with some positive things that they can keep, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting as you as you're talking about the solo isolation. I'm reminded of this like this desire to to create a hierarchy because I think everybody from their own vantage point was like it sucks because this right. So like now, will I grant you I wouldn't want an infant at this time? You you best believe that it's not something that I'm going to say I ever want, but like you know, folks were saying, oh, with the partner, this is the challenge. With the baby, this is the challenge. With the family, this is the challenge. And I do feel like single isolators were kind of left out of that conversation that it couldn't have possibly been bad for us. And, and you have two people <laughs> with the first letter R here to tell you that is, that is, uh, it was, it was tough. It was really challenging. It was. Yes. Yes a very, like a, a, it brought, it brought your life into sharp relief. Like, oh, yeah. okay, this is what it is. Okay. So let me figure it out. You know, like now this is what it is. Let me figure out how to make this, what it is as positive as it can be. Yeah. Um, so that's what, you know, we're hoping people can. I think, I think some folks have been doing that and not honoring the positive choices that they're making. Like it feels like, oh yeah, I just did it. But take the time to say, well, you know what, what have you done to enjoy your own company in a healthy way? What have you done to value and appreciate the time that you have being isolated? So yeah. it's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So it's like not like, you know, it, it, we, I really want to make sure, like, I don't want to say, oh, the pandemic was a good thing. No, it was not a good, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely not a good thing, but I think it, it is important to take what we're learning from it and see, you know, from there. Cause it's, it's been, I've learned a lot about myself for sure. And you know where a lot of people learned a lot about themselves, Roro? 
in somebody's therapy because mm-hmm. listen, I have just noticed so many people who started engaging in their own self-work, partner work, family work during the pandemic. And so um, we're really grateful that insurance providers um, and their companies have expanded options for telehealth because it was, it, it, I mean, within a month, you saw how quickly people had to change their practices around that. Um, so it's making therapy more accessible, but it's also increasing the number of uh, appointments that people can have or the, the number of sessions that they can um, go to. It's just really revolutionizing folks saying, no, I deserve, I need, right? Like, like this is a part of who I am. I don't feel guilty for, for doing that. Um, so I'm really grateful for a few things that have come out of, of the pandemic. That is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, cause it's a difference. There's a big difference between being able to log in from home and having to get in your car, take time off work, get in your car and go to an office, just mm-hmm. make that so much more convenient. And so um, hopefully, you know, because there are more folks engaging in therapy and actually seeing it firsthand and getting the healing from it, hopefully we can continue in that, in that trajectory so that folks, we can work on decreasing that stigma that has been so heavy in our community for so long. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that has just had a grip on our whole community, this working capitalism piece, baby, that uh, great, uh, what what they call it? The great resignation, girl? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the great resignation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so say that one of the most fascinating things really has been watching the dialogue around uh, of the labor shortage and what we learn about people based on the way that they um, skew that conversation. Um, so, you know, hearing folks who attribute a labor shortage to a lack of work ethic, oh, people are lazy, they don't want to work. When, first of all, we lost a lot of people, right? So we are mm-hmm. shorter yeah. several hundred thousand people. That's right. um, but in many cases, people are valuing themselves over this low wage, over a low wage job with unhealthy conditions. And I think um, there's hopefully a, a shift that will continue where companies and entities are recognizing, oh, they're not going to take the scraps anymore. So we actually have to pay people what they're worth, pay, pay people for their time. Um, so that, I think that's where a lot of that is coming from. Yeah, it's, it's funny as you're talking about this, this idea of essential workers kind of popping into mind where... Um, this is a a connection and a half. It's a stretch, but one of my favorite movies is Schindler's List. And you're thinking about how Oscar Schindler would call his, his workers essential, right? And that you saw the pride in them, but you also saw the respect that um, the SS looked for. If y'all don't know, if if you're not a dorky person like myself and follow all things Holocaust, this is where um, the SS, the Nazi officers looked at Oscar Schindler's quote, essential workers and and couldn't touch them. They were outside of the realm of being touched for the Holocaust. But what has happened here is that we had these essential workers, then exposed them to God knows what, forced them to do whatever. Now we're shortening the amount of days that they have to be out. Now we're calling them low-skill workers. Shout out to the New York mayor on that. We're thinking about how even that term didn't last the whole two years, right? It didn't even make it through the pandemic. It didn't. Like, and and banging, like banging all the pots, you know, mm-hmm. in the larger cities for the healthcare workers and call them essential. Like 
come on now. Like, you know, you were asking folks and then for our hourly paid uh, work folks, you mm-hmm. know, they're sacrificing themselves to back a grocery. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. it was a, it, it just brought all these reality checks for people um, in, in terms of how they re- reprioritize what they're willing to do. There's so many things that we all have to ask ourselves. Am I willing to risk COVID for this? Am I willing to, and we're sometimes saying no. So folks are recognizing that, um, that they don't have to settle for, you know, for things that are not meeting their value. If they're working in a place where they're not being valued, they're not being treated appropriately. They are rethinking that and determining other ways to use their energy. There are other ways to earn the salary, the wages that I need to sustain myself without putting myself in harm's way for a place where I'm not being valued. And and there it is. So that takes us pretty nicely to how we need to take the lessons that we've learned over the past two years and incorporate it within our daily practice. So we'll come back after the break with a minute for your mind. All right, so in today's One Minute for Your Minds, we're going to talk about the healing factors provided by rest. Yes, so we've been talking about it and folks are dealing with a lot of personal and collective losses while steadily working through a pandemic. Um, And so what, and a lot of times it can feel like you have to push through. Like, so I have to push through, even though I'm mentally and physically tired or fatigued, I have to push through. And what that leads to are things like compartmentalizing grief, as opposed to attending to the grief, sacrificing sleep, and sometimes self-medicating. So we want to remind folks that rest is not a luxury. It is, in fact, a necessity. Absolutely. The wonderful minds behind the NAP ministry on Instagram and Twitter encourage us to focus on the power of rest and suggest that it, in fact, is resistance. That's right. And I read a post recently that said, you can cut down a forest with a dull axe, but it takes forever. So sharpen the axe when you can. So in this instance, sharpening really means getting adequate mental and physical rest, carving out time to assess where you are, where you've been, where you've been, and give yourself time to grieve what losses you've experienced and what that's looked like for you. We also need to pay attention to unhealthy self-medicating behaviors. And so um, oftentimes unhealthy can mean um, can be signaled, signaled by negative impact of our functioning. So are we self-medicating in a way that's impacting the way we work, live, move through our lives? And is it impacting our relationships? In addition to a video that we've dropped before on sleep, the National Institute of Mental Health also has some, je- some suggestions for getting consistent and restful sleep. So first, stick to a schedule and make sure you're getting enough sleep. Blue light from devices and screens can make it harder to fall asleep. So reduce that exposure from your phone or computer before bedtime. Explore relaxation and wellness apps that incorporate meditation, most relaxation and breathing exercises, and also challenge the negative thinking that can happen that makes makes it hard to fall asleep. So instead of thinking about what you didn't accomplish that day before you go to bed, take a time to recount what you accomplished, the items you were able to take off the box, and hopefully that will help get your mind to rest. Rolanda, what a pleasure it has been working with you today on this. Good people, we wish you well, and we wish you health for your mind.